We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. For what God is directing us in in these next few weeks as we walk through the joy of our journey. And I, that's what we're talking about. And this is part two of this series, The Joy of the Journey. And we're going to be talking about today, acknowledgement. And uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. Our anchor verse will be found in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. In just a moment, we'll get to that. Last week, we began our 21 days of consecration, and I began with a series uh, that will lead us through the next uh, few weeks uh, of our days of consecration. I shared with you that we'll be looking uh, in, in, at three different words over the next uh, three weeks. And the first word we looked at last week was discovery. Uh, the next word is acknowledgement, and that's what we'll focus on today. The next one was, it will, last one will be repentance. Last week, as uh, in part one of this series, we talked about discovery, and we based this out of Psalms uh, 139, verses 23 through 24, which is a, a brave prayer. It's a bold prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous, or the other translation of that word is wicked way in me, and lead, lead me in the way everlasting. God, help me to see what's in me. And I don't know if you were bold enough to pray that prayer this this week, but if you pray that prayer, get ready for the results because it can be very, very uh, painful to go through that walk. The challenge to each of us as we pray, search me, O God, was to allow us, uh, God, to bring to the surface the things that may be hidden in our lives that's hindering us from being close to God. I don't know about you, but I want to be closer to God. I want to be in his presence. I, I, you know, what Jim, Jim said, I, took, I, I was like new. I wanted one step closer. I want to step into the presence of God. How about you? I want to know the presence of the Lord is moving and working in my life this year. I want to walk with a closeness to God that I don't just feel God at church. I don't just feel God when I have a special moment, but I feel God's presence every day of my life. Do you know every one of us have the ability to walk in the Spirit and to feel the presence of God wherever we're at, even at a wrestling match, amen? We can feel the presence of God. We can feel the presence of the Lord even when we're at school taking a test, even when we're at work, even even when we're on the job uh, uh, at, at our homes, working outside, I can feel the presence of God. I can have church wherever I'm at. Church is not contained to a building. When I am walking in the presence of God, I can have church, whether I am standing uh, in, in, uh, you know, at a, in a pulpit or whether I'm sitting in a chair or talking to somebody at Walmart or whether I'm on a golf course or wherever I'm at, I can feel the presence of the living God in my life and I can have church. Why? Because God is wanting this world to see that God is not a God of religion, but God is a God of relationship. I don't know about you, but I want a deeper relationship with my Lord. How about you? I want a closeness with God that only comes when I dedicate my life to him and, and I say, Lord, search me, bring me closer to you. So that was our challenge. It was a brave prayer and it's a difficult prayer, a painful prayer at times. This week's been pretty painful for me as God has brought to the surface things that have hindered 
hindered my relationship with him. But I am so thankful that he has done that. However, if I just, if I just see those things, but I fail to acknowledge those things, then something's wrong. In other words, it's like someone who is having symptoms that something major is wrong, but they ignore the symptoms and, and, until something happens and then they're fi- they find themselves, they've had a heart attack or they've, they, you know, there are symptoms leading to that a lot of times. And there's a lot of times where our bodies are already telling us something major is wrong. I've got news for you. If I just acknowledge to someone and say, well, you know what? I, I, the Lord showed me some things in my life, but I ignore them and I don't, I don't truly embrace and say, okay, got to do something about it, then there is going to be some things, that there some consequences for my actions. In other words, I think one of the hardest steps for all of us is acknowledgement. None of us want to acknowledge the things in our life that are, that are not like Christ. Uh, in our corrupt, chaotic world, we as Christ followers must be careful not to lose proper perspective both of, on our, uh, of what are our world conditions and of ourselves. We must remember who we are in Christ. And we must not just acknowledge the things that need to be corrected in our life, but we need to acknowledge the things that we are in him. Amen. And so we're going to focus on some of those today as we go through this sermon. And so again, uh, we live at, at a point in time, in my belief, that is labeled both exciting and exhausting. Who would Anybody else feel like that's true? It's an exciting time to live in, but it's also an exhausting time to live in. Why? Because uh, uh, it is exciting because we literally are witnessing the coming uh, together of events that point to the soon coming return to Jesus. Jesus. And I don't care what somebody's told you, you better wake up and you better look at what's happening in this world because it is pointing to one major event and that is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, blessed are those who love his appearing, not those who dread his appearing. I'm more and more looking towards the coming of Jesus to solve the problems of this world because it's in him that peace on earth will truly be achieved in him. And no other way, no other way. People get nervous when you talk about the coming of the Lord. Well, I want to live my life. I got news for you. When you look into the eyes of Jesus, you'll realize you've just been existing. You're fixing to start living. Oh, my goodness. You're fixing to start living. In the midst of this, of this exhausting element of our present world, we as God's blood-washed children have cause to encourage one another and remember that God is still in control. Look at somebody beside you and say, you know what? The world's out of control, but God's still in control. Amen? People are out of control, but God's still orchestrating things. You realize the chaos is not, a, is not just out there. It's organized chaos because God's orchestrating it to bring about what he needs to happen in this world. And one of the things he needs to happen in this world is an awakening within the body of Christ and revival to sweep the land. Amen? I believe that. I heard a, a few years ago when I was out doing revival work, and I went into the office of one of the pastors. I was about to preach at their church, and they asked me, you know, some of my opinions about world events. And, and I told them I felt like the Lord was going to come back soon. And you know what their reply was? Uh, you know, well, everybody believes that. But I think that it's going to be probably several generations away. And I looked at him, and I said, you, based upon what theology, based upon what do you see in the world that says any different that Jesus is not preparing to come? This world's getting bad. 
This world, and it was bad then. That was a long time ago. It's even worse today. In the routine and difficulty of daily existence, amen, it is rather easy to lose our perspective as to who we are and what we are about in this world that's seemingly going mad. We all must be on guard against becoming uh, either arrogant or complacent. Those are two things that are plaguing the body of Christ, arrogance and complacency. All right? And in other words, we need to be careful on that and guard ourselves against that. We must not lose our perspective in this turbulent days that are ahead of us. Our perspective will uh, affect our performance for God in these last days. In other words, how I truly work and, and, and share His message. Consider with me types of perspectives that we need to maintain in order to fight the good fight of faith. We need to acknowledge, number one, that we are sinners saved by grace. We are sinners by default, by the way. In other words, because of Adam and Eve's sin, we are born into sin. There is no way around it. We we, we are born into this world sinners, and we, that is our human plight. We are plagued with this disease called sin because of Adam and Eve's failure within the garden. We need to remember that our faith, uh, uh, faith that, uh, remember that our flesh is hopelessly defiled. In other words, if you live according to the flesh, it's going to lead you down a bad road. Amen? Now, if you live, you know, that's part of the reason for fasting. Uh, fasting allows us to realize how much we glorify glorify food in this society that we live in. We do. We glorify it. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, we were having a conversation yesterday. It's almost become an idol in this nation. It's, uh, it's, it, it's a form of idolatry. And if we're not careful, our flesh will destroy us. Now you say, well, you pretty big guy preaching that. Well, I want you to know I've lost about 65 pounds. So, I, you know, God's, God's working on me. God's working on me. And I didn't do it, by the way, in a week of fasting. So, anyway, if so, as I said, I'm fasting tomorrow. Like, no, no, it don't work that fast. It, that's been since June of last year. What are you saying? I'm saying it takes work to do that. But guess what? The flesh is a powerful thing. The flesh will lead us into all kinds of things, not just temptation of food, but temptation sexually, temptation for, for you know, lying is an easy thing to do if we're not careful. The flesh will guide us and lead us. And if we allow the flesh to take control, the flesh will lead us down a sinful road and a way that leads uh, leads us away from God. I want to be closer to God. When we fast and when we pray and when we seek the face of God and when I push back the plate, what I'm saying to God is, God, I'm acknowledging I am sinful by nature, but I have been washed by the blood of Jesus and the nature of sin is made subject to the sanctifying power of the blood of the Lamb. Aren't you thankful for that today? That the sinful nature is made subject by the blood of Jesus. Amen? It is subjugated. It is put in control through the blood of Jesus. We are all born with, with, with wicked sin in, in the nature and the core of who we are. Somebody says the inherent nature of man is good. No, the inherent man, nature of man is evil. Because of Adam and Eve, we were created to be good. We were created to in the image of God, but that, that image was, corrupt, corrupt, uh, was corrupted by our own choices. Now, I want to ask you something. How does a worm get inside an apple? Maybe you know the answer. Well, I'm going to share with you today. Perhaps you think the worm had, had burrowed its way in. You ever, my grandpa, my grandpa mentor had, uh, where they lived in Marietta, they had an apple tree on, in the backyard. 
And it was old crab apples, and he would tell us all the time, don't eat those apples, they're full of worms. And I used to think that the worms burrowed their way down into the apple. But you want to know what really happens? Insects lay eggs within the blossoms of the apple, within the heart of the apple. And when the apple grows around it, they burrow their way out. So they're not, they're not burrowing their way in, they're coming out. Guess what? When we are born into this world, the, something was laid into the heart of man, and that's called sin. And it takes the sanctifying blood of Jesus to pull that thing out of us and make it subject to the cross of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I found that the, res that the old man can be crucified with Christ, but if I'm not careful, I can easily resurrect him. Amen? Anybody ever had the old man easily resurrected? Okay. Let me just remind you of the checkout lines. You ever had one thing in your hand and a lady full, like two carts fulls of, full of groceries, pulls in front of you and cuts you off and then looks at you as if, well, it's your problem. And you're like, I want to make it your problem. <laughs> what about driving on the interstate? Anybody battle the old man on the interstate? Nobody. We're all angels. We pray for everybody that cuts us off in traffic. I do, Pastor. I raise my hand and I bless them. <laughs> Are you blessing them with that hand? Okay, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. If we're not careful what has been planted inside of us will come out of us. It has to be removed by the blood of Jesus. But in, in other words, sin is like the worm. It begins in the heart and works its way through a person's thoughts, words, and actions. Romans 7, 18 says, For I know that, the good, that nothing good dwells in me that is, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not that the, the ability to carry it out. Paul is saying, I have the desire to do what God wants me to do, but I don't have the ability outside of God's Spirit to do it on my own. Romans 8 and 5 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to be set on the things of the Spirit in 2023. I want to acknowledge that I, I was born of the flesh and I was born into sin and I was a sinner, but when I met Jesus, I am no longer a sinner, but now I am, according to the Word, a saint of God. Did you know that? Saints aren't just white-haired old ladies somewhere praying for you. I don't know. I never saw that description of a saint in the Bible. You know what a saint is? A saint is any blood-bought, washed Christian person that says, I am redeemed. Let's use an old term, born again. Amen. Born again. I am a new creation in Christ because of what He's done in my life. In other words, Romans 8 and 8 says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so somebody that's looking, that, looking at that passage of Scripture out of context will say, well, then I can never please God because I'm flesh and blood. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that because of the Spirit of God that is within us, we have the ability to say no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit. I want you to tell me this morning, how many of you want to walk in the Spirit this year and say yes to the spirit this year you see the flesh says bless that old lady out that cuts you off in, in, in the grocery line but the spirit says you know what just be quiet and just get on through the day and pray a blessing over their life because it ain't worth you getting worked up over I'm going to tell you some of us we're fighting battles we don't need to fight we're, we're waging wars within our minds that don't need to take place and the devil's got us all caught up in this worry and this doubt and these wars with 
within our minds. And God is saying to us, take a break, follow the Spirit, because my way is easy. I don't want you to be burdened down. Somebody says, it's so hard to be a Christian. It's so difficult. The Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. The way to life. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, you say you don't go through things, Pastor. I go through things just like everybody else in this world. But I'm going to tell you something. I take those things and I put them at the feet of Jesus because I realize I can't win those battles. You can't win those battles. You need Jesus in order to win your battles. Amen. In other words, the word flesh refers to sinful nature. We need to remember our great deliverance. Isaiah 51 1 says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. You, okay, okay righteousness, that, that's a good word. I heard it all my life, never understood it until I became an adult. Righteousness. You know what righteousness is? You can, you can substitute the word obedience. Obedience. It goes right in its place. It says, What for those of you who pursue righteousness or obedience? How many of you want to be more obedient to God? Then this verse applies to you. He says, listen to me, you who seek it, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from, from which you were hewn and to, and, and to the quarry from which you were dug. He's saying, look to that. Jesus rescued us from sin and spiritual darkness. God has rescued us. He said, look to that rock. Look to Jesus. He is the chief cornerstone according to the scripture. For, uh, Galatians 1 Verses 13 and 14 says, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transformed us from the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus rescued us from the wrath of God that was set against sin and its, and its sinful sinners and its sinful ways. I want you to know we've been rescued this morning. We have a hope that is greater than what this world has. We have something worth sharing, church. And we need to remember where we were and where we are is by the grace of the living God. And when you see somebody else that is not living right, it's so easy for us to look at them and us to pass judgment upon them and we forget where we once were. I, why don't they just do what's right? I don't know why they keep doing what's wrong. How many times did we just keep doing what was wrong before we were rescued? Amen? Rescued. I think that the problem is, is that we have made salvation a business transaction. Listen to me, church. We've made it a business transaction between us and God instead of a rescuing of us from our sin and death. In other words, you come and make this transaction. I'm offering you heaven instead of hell. And all you got to do is offer him your life, and in exchange, he gives you life eternal. And it's almost become a robotic business transaction. And I want you to know it'll never be a business transaction. God came to rescue you from sin and death. That means you could not rescue yourself. If it's a business transaction, then I begin to think, well, if I'm just morally good, I'm going to get to heaven. I've got news for you. I hate to say it, and it's hard to hear, but there are morally good people in hell today. Because they were never saved or rescued from their sin. You can be morally good and miss out on heaven. You can be religious and miss out on heaven. 
Oh, you're getting quiet on me. In other words, you can check off your list of things that you need to do in order to be considered righteous and miss out on heaven because you're not rescued from sin and death. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I wonder if there's anybody here today, maybe watching at home, that could just give God a moment of praise, take a little praise break because you were rescued. Amen. It wasn't a business transaction. Oh, he rescued me. He rescued you. If you're in need of rescuing, He still does that right here and right now. 1 Thessalonians, 9, 1 Thessalonians 1 9 says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from your idols to serve the living God. Jesus rescued us from the, from the dominion of sin. Oh my goodness. From the lordship of sin in our life. I was a prisoner to sin, and he set me free. Romans 6, 12 through 14 says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought, have been brought from death to life. There you go. How can you sum that up as a business transaction when you have been brought from death to life? Let me, let me ask you this. If somebody saved your life, I mean, you know, you're drowning and they saved your life, would you just get up after they resuscitated you and you caught your breath and said, well, I appreciate that, and walk off? I'll send you a card. Where would your gratitude be? Where would your gratitude be? This is one of those illustrations. I'm fixing to get a phone call this afternoon from my mom. If I'd have known that. When I was a freshman in college, I came home on summer break, and I decided to go see my best friend and his wife uh, from high school, and we decided we were going to go whitewater rafting, and he had the biggest piece of junk raft that I've ever seen in my life, and he also had uh, one good life jacket and two so not-so-good life jackets, so me and him got the two not-so-good life jackets, and his wife got the good life jacket. And I'm sitting on the front of the raft, and, and of course, you know, being a man, I knew exactly how to whitewater raft, and no one needed to tell me. And him being a man who had done it once, knew everything there was, so we were going to do it, and we were going to be all right. Well, we got to a class four rapid, and the, the, the boat flipped, and uh, he was slung free of the rapid, and of course, she had the good life jacket, so she kind of bobbed her way to safety. Well, not me. I got caught in an undertow, and the life jacket got ripped off of me. It was gone. Okay? At that moment, I'd like to tell you my life flashed before my, my eyes, but at that moment, I was just gasping for breath. I was like, what in the world has happened? And I'll never forget the guy who came out from the shore Threw a, threw a, had a line, grabbed me under my arm and pulled me out of that undertow to safety. He rescued me. When I was being pulled under by that undertow, there was not a thing I could do to save myself. And if you are in sin this morning, there's not a thing you can do about the sin problem in your life. It will continually pull you down, ultimately to your death. But my God waded out into the middle of the trouble. And Jesus is your rescue line.
if you'll take him by the hand this morning. He will rescue. Oh, I, feel, I feel God's spirit. Some of us need to be set free. Some of us here and some of us watching at home need to be set free. Because we're caught in an undertow and we can't find our way out. And we're gasping for breath. And every way we turn, life keeps kicking us back and back. And we can't find our way out. We can't find joy but for a moment. We can't find peace. We can't find any kind of happiness. Oh, we may smile and we may laugh, but in our hearts we're hurting. Because our sin is pulling us under. I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit this morning. He's ready to rescue you. And there's not a person in this room that hasn't had to be rescued that can stand up self-righteously and say, yeah, you deserve that. None of us deserve that. But we were all destined to it until Jesus set us free. We'll remind you of how this service was opened. You don't have to wait to the altar call to come to the altar. Because God's dealing with somebody in this room. You need to be rescued. Somebody in this room, you're dreading the next moments. You're dreading the next. You don't want to embrace this year because you just dread it. I want to, I want to tell you God's ready to rescue you from that dread and give you hope. He wants to rescue you from your fear and give you faith. But you've got to be willing to reach out and take the line. This altar is open right now. We need to remember our total dep dependency on our deliverer. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, it is he that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Acknowledgement allows me to plug in to the true source. The true source is not me. My true source is not even my church unless that church is plugged into the vine. Come on. If we truly want to seal God work in our lives this year, we have to have a connection with the Spirit and we have to have a connection into the vine, which is Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. Without me, you, apart from me, you can do nothing. How many of you like flowers in this room? Fresh flowers, fresh cut flowers. About five or six. The rest of y'all hate things. Yeah. <laughs> I hate pretty things. I don't like them. They smell funny. You don't probably have a problem with heaven. How many likes flowers? You like them? They're nice. Okay. How many ladies like to get some flowers every now and then? Just you know, just every now and then. The moment those flowers are severed from the root or the vine, they're dying. They're not permanent. I love what my father-in-law, he never understood giving flowers. He just didn't, 
register with him. He, you know, why do you want to give something that's dying? <laughs> he said, you spend all that money on roses and they're just going to die. Well, you know, I'd rather spend it on something you can keep. So he, <laughs> I don't know if she still got it. He got this globe with a rose in it, like this crystal, and this rose was in it. And he says, he, he used to call it, he said, hey, big buddy, I got that flower problem solved. That one right there will never die. I call that the frozen chosen right there. That's a message for another day. But the moment that flower is severed from its, its roots, it begins to wither. Oh, it may look alive, but it's withering. Cell by cell, it's beginning to deteriorate. Cell by cell, it's not beginning to get the full nutrients it needs. Well, I water it. Well, water only provides one source of nutrients. It doesn't provide what the soil provides. So eventually, no matter how you care for it, unless you root that flower, it's going to die. And some of us have been uprooted. We're dying. Because we're not tapped into the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But I'm here to tell you, he said, with me, all things are possible. I want you to know I am not looking at doing the possible things this year. You see, the possible things are the things that we can do. The impossible things are only things that can be accomplished by being plugged into Jesus. I want to be in the vine this year. I want to acknowledge my connection with him this year and see God do great things. I want to see miracles. I want to see signs and wonders that leave sinners going, let me find this connection. I need to be rescued. I don't want miracles so that all the Christians get excited. I want to see God do great things so that the world that is skeptical of who he is has no excuse but to acknowledge this could not be done by the hand of men. Why should this take place? Because it all boils down to, though you are a saint, you are also called to be a soldier. We must acknowledge through the searching of our heart, we acknowledge what is wrong and then we place it under the blood. But we must fully embrace that God has called us to be soldiers. Soldiers are to be respectful. Hebrews 12, 9 says, Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us. We respect them. Shall, should we not much more be subject to the father, uh, father of, of spirits and, and live? In other words, he's saying, listen, we want, our, our earthly fathers can discipline us and we respect them. Some don't. If, it's, if you do discipline right, I believe your children will respect you. But you show me a kid with no discipline, I'm going to show you a lot of problems. Yes, I am. Every teacher in the house should be amening. You show me kids that don't have any parental guidance, any parental discipline, and their lives are going to become a train wreck. Now, I got news for you. My dad disciplined me. I had, he, come, he come out of the Navy. And then he went to preach, and well, he preached before he come out of the Navy. That's some trouble right there growing up in that house. 
I'm just kidding. I love my dad. He disciplined me. Did I get some I didn't deserve, in my opinion? Yes. But you know what his answer to that was? It made up for all the ones I should have gave you and didn't. And I have to agree with that. I, yeah. Our Father in heaven disciplines us because he loves us. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, The end of the, of the matter all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Church, I want you to hear something, and I'm going to say it in love. We cannot please God and walk outside of his word any longer. If we want to please God, we've got to line ourselves up with the word of God. There are too many people saying, Oh, you know what? I, I believe God makes an exception there. There's a reason this book is the way it is. Because it is not prejudice against any uh, particular person. It applies to every one of us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It points out every sin in the book. Why? Because it wants all of us to understand that it is through the blood of Jesus we find forgiveness. But because I have grace doesn't mean I, I totally disregard what he teaches. It is because I have grace that I want to embrace what he teaches. Well, it restricts my life. I heard somebody, well, I had somebody tell me that. It just, it's so restrictive. I don't see it that way. Well, I got news for you. The Word of God doesn't care about your opinion or mine. That's why it's the Word of God. Well, it was made up by men and it's full of errors. Think again, my friend. News for you, the boy, you are listening to some liberal theologians that are corrupting this world today by trying to undermine the foundation of this book. In this book, you say, well, there are translational errors. Yes, there are translational errors. I'll give you a real quick one that's real simple. You've heard me teach before. We have one word for love in the, in the English language. That's it. But there are three words for love in the Greek language. And so if anything, it's more exact about what we should, how we should love, not, not, not vague. So yes, there are some translational errors in the Bible. But guess what? The Bible itself, when it's studied correctly, it is without error. It is inerrant and it is trying to apply to our lives today so that you and I can, can live a, ple a pleasing life unto the Lord. Well, I, I thought all I have to do is be saved to get to heaven. That's true, but I've got news for you. He also wants us to walk in the way. Amen? He says, walk in the way that leads to life. He, he says, he told the Israelites, I lay before you life and death. And then he gives them the answer. He says, choose life. Walk in the way that's right. Being a soldier, soldiers are to be rugged. Just as soldiers in the armed forces must be disciplined, even so soldiers must be spiritually disciplined today. A, a soldier without discipline will fall apart in the midst of battle. A soldier without discipline will, will cause his friends and, and, to, and his buddies to get killed. What are you saying? A spiritual soldier that is not disciplined within the Word of God will mislead others. And listen, if you want to send your own soul to hell, that's one thing. But when you send others because you're misleading them. That's a very serious matter in the eyes of God. 1 Corinthians 9, 27 says, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. 
In other words, you realize the first thing a basic, in basic training recruits must do, they are required to run one mile. If they are unable to do this after a, a short period of time, they will be discharged from the military as being physically inadequate and unfit for duty. Christian soldiers, you are being called to battle today by your Lord and your General Jesus Christ. Are you spiritually ready and disciplined to take on what God has ahead of you? Because whether you want to acknowledge it or not, you were saved, but you also at that point were enlisted into the army of God. Paul went on to tell Timothy, be a good soldier. Fight the good faith of fight. Uh, the the, the good, good, good fight of faith. Keep your head above water. He's saying 2 Timothy 2 and 3, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He's saying be ready to do what's necessary. Serve God the way you should. Christian soldiers must mature in their faith so that we learn to discipline the appetites of the flesh. Otherwise, we cannot be effective for Christ. You can't be effective for Christ if you're given into the flesh and you're trying to lead somebody out of it. We don't know. They need deliverance from that. If you're dealing with somebody that is battling something and they're wanting to get free, you say, well, I'm spiritually at liberty to do that. Let me just say something to you. Paul would address that and say, do not let your spiritual freedoms become a stumbling block to someone else. So he says what? He was talking about meat being offered to idols. He's saying, I can eat meat offered to idols because I, I don't worship those idols. And it's the fresh meat, freshest meat in town. They just killed it that morning. You can eat it, and it's fresh, and it's not got any kind of... Back then, we didn't have refrigeration. He's saying, you don't got to worry about it. He said, I can do that, and it doesn't bother me. But if it's going to cause somebody to stumble in their walk with God, lest it cause them to stumble, he says, I'll abstain from that. How many of us are willing to abstain from some things in order to see somebody set free this year? How many of us are willing to push some things aside and say, you know what, I want somebody to find freedom this year? Christian soldiers must be conditioned for difficult situations. Soldiers are to be ready, battle ready. They are to be ready to sound off at any moment. 1 Peter 3, 15, be sanctified, the Lord God, in your heart, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for, of, of the hope you have that is within you and with meekness and with fear. In other words, be ready to testify about him at any moment. They are to be ready, number two, for duty. Titus 3, 1 says, put them in mind to be ready to do every good work. And then they must be ready for battle, 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. I'm sick of seeing people devoured by the devil. How about you? I'm sick of seeing people eat up by the devil. How about you, church? Who's ready to stand up and be a good soldier this morning and fight the good fight and see people set free in 23? I am. How about you? Have them set free. Soldiers, must always be ready at any moment. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly, but they are mighty through God to the destruction of strongholds. As we move into this year, we need to acknowledge there are strongholds in this world. Maybe there's some strongholds in your children's life. Maybe there's some strongholds in your family's life. We need to acknowledge those things. But more importantly, as we acknowledge them,
God is equipping us to help set them free. I want to see addiction broke in some people's lives this year. How about you? I want to see some alcoholics set free this year. How about you? Never seen anything good come from alcohol. Seen it destroy. Eventually it destroys. I want to see I want to see those who are captive to drug addiction set free this year. How about you? This is the part where you amen. I want to see those who are captive to sexual sins set free this year. How about you? I want to see the captives set free. I want to see people set at liberty this year. You say, well, what are you describing? What I'm describing is this. I believe the church has played defense for too long. I believe we have played defense and we've hid behind our walls for too long. It is time for the body of Christ to be the soldiers we have been called to be. Who are we fighting against? We're not fighting against sinners. We are fighting against the captives, uh, the, the, the ones that are keeping them captive. There are angels and principalities and powers that need to be defeated and they are defeated when the Christ stands up and takes on the call of God. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We're going to end on this call. But they are what? Mighty. Through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Maybe there's financial strongholds that need to be broken this year. Maybe somebody in here is captive to debt. God's ready to show you a way out. I don't see a way out. With God, all things are. I've got a lost loved one that won't turn their life over to, to Christ. I've tried everything. Everybody's tried everything, and they just keep going down a road. It just seems impossible that they'll want to turn their life around. But with God, all things are. You know, Pastor, I don't know. I've, I've battled sickness in my body for so long, and I believe God can heal, but I just don't know if he's going to heal me. It just seems impossible. But with God, all things are. You know, our marriage is a wreck. We, we put on a good show, but we just don't communicate anymore. There is, no, there is no great love between us like there used to be. It just seems impossible for us to get our marriage back together. Oh, I just don't know how we could ever have what we used to have. But with God, all things are... Me and my kids can't communicate and we can't get along. And every time I mention Jesus, they shut down. Every time I try to witness, they shut down. And they threaten to cut me out of their lives. It seems impossible to get through to them that they need Jesus. But with God, all things are. Do you hear what I'm preaching to you this morning? I'm preaching that we can move through acknowledgement beyond the realm of the possible to the rim of the impossible. It's impossible for this little old church to raise the money they need to raise to build the church they need to build so they can continue the ministries they need to continue and do it debt-free. I'm going to tell you, but with God, all things are
Quit putting such a low view of God in your life. We stand. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.